Feeding the ducks. <laughs> the name of this, I like it. Of today's is that movie. literally what it's song? Is that you just what picture the song yourself feeding yep. like sitting in a by pond feeding ducks with this music going? It is. Yeah, sure, Mike. There's a quack going on. Thanks, buddy. You know, I was inspired. I saw uh, several people wearing these uh, at the track. Alex oh. Laughlin, Cordy Reed had one on in his post-race interview after he won. Did you see? Um, did you see that uh, Logan was wearing it uh, on Quen uh, Fernando Quadra's team? He had the hat on. He oh yeah, he had the hat on TV. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten a hat yet. That's because you, uh, yeah, because you you gave him the hat and then you and then I told you to hold mine and I would get it back. <laughs> and I told you just like letting me borrow a shaker. No way. Yeah, a protein but shaker. You'll never see that bad boy again. Metal bell, I don't, I don't have one shaker. because it's a flat bill, and I can't. Flat bills don't work with the solar panel. It has to be. Oh, yeah, a, a, it has to be a, a Richardson. Uh, that just means you can only one twelve or a or, or a or a U, style, Yupon. My boy Yupon? Taylor hooked me up with a hat though. No, yeah, Comiskey. We were yeah. gonna we were gonna train JT up to pronounce his last name. Do you want a shot at it real quick here in front of God and the Comiskey. World Wide Web? Oh, Comiskey. I th you did good, buddy. Good Let's give it up. Let's give it up. JT, Taylor ought, to be name pretty, right. Taylor ought to be pretty happy because I can butcher a name. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's yeah. business, man. You You're got the, the full ever was. setup. John Misky. <laughs> <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you got a hat, shirt. You got the full prize pack. Are you wearing man. a Taylor Comiskey shirt too? No, but he got one. Oh, okay. Uh, did he give you that chain? Yeah. That's nice. Though. No, he didn't give me a chain. <laughs> It'd be awesome if he did, though. Yeah, I, oh, I pulled someone goodness. out the other night, and I, I just threw it around my neck afterwards. Yeah, never stops. Yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. All right, roll the intro. <laughs> I got to find it first. You think I'm not? What do you mean? You're supposed to. I'm supposed to be like able longest, to very smoothly. Like the longest week yeah. in the history of weeks for me. <laughs> Nobody to blame but yourself for that one, big boy. That's true. <laughs> oh, oh, double duty. And a lot of a lot of other people uh, have that have JT to blame for their long weekend, and we it, also. Hey, it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, and Jason, the bartender, and his and Jason. Shout yeah. out to the Embassy Suites. Yeah, for the, the the four and one. You know, four whiskey, one one pop. <laughs> There's no doubt. It was terrible. <laughs> Let's go. Listen, I've never had any problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut, it's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing. Prove me wrong. I'll wait. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. As always, we got a barn burner of a show lined up for you today, breaking down all the biggest happenings in the sport of drag racing. Before we dive into this episode of the show, I want to tell you guys thanks. Thank you so much for being a part of this each and every week. We, we appreciate it more than we can ever put into words. Remember, do your part to help us spread the gospel of drag racing. Click like, click share. 
click subscribe if you're watching along on YouTube. Make sure you don't miss any of our content as it rolls out. But I tell you what, guys, uh, fresh off a big weekend at the NHRA U.S. Nationals. I got to take in a few days myself. Big old time there outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, without question. Probably one of my favorite events the entire year. Just you hear it all the time, but there's just something about Indy. Can't wait to break that down with you as well as the yellowbullet.com nationals up at the house that Jim Halsey built, Cecil County, Maryland, uh, Cecil County Dragway. Huge event. I was thinking about we'll we'll break down some of the numbers, but man, this was a huge weekend for the sport of drag race, and I can't wait to dive into it with you guys. But before we get any further along, let me introduce my co-hosts here on the West Buck Show. Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. What's up, boys? You have fun in Indy this weekend? Yeah. yeah. I miss you already. A little too much, man. A little too much fun with JT. I miss you guys. Everybody man. was missed. JT left on Saturday, and it was like just quiet and I calm. felt bad for you guys because yep. I was about two hours away from home, and I kind of hit a wall. You know, I'm like, <laughs> wow, I am tired. And, and I thought, man, you guys have got to be hurting out of the track in that heat. Nobody's having as much fun as you were having. Just yeah. for the record, I was running um, hot laps, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you were doing something. I, oh my goodness, bro. I get your steps in. <laughs> I got my steps in there. I tell you what, man, we, we bebopped around that joint. I got it. Let's just dive into the 69th annual NHRA US Nationals, uh, the Dodge Power Brokers NHRA US Nationals. What a momentous weekend for the sport of drag racing. We, we spent some time just driving around the pits and kind of really, uh, and I maybe, I think everybody should do this. We probably don't do this often enough. But just go kind of appreciate what's happening. I mean, if you if you saw any of those aerial photos that Mark Rebelis was posting on Twitter or X, excuse me, whatever it's called, formerly known as Twitter, it was all inspiring at the bare minimum. Nearly 900 cars, I think just shy of 900 cars entered into the NHRA U.S. Nationals. And when you're there and you just the humanity, the campgrounds, the amount of motorhomes, when we were driving around looking for uh, our buddy Tom's motorhome, we, we couldn't find it. I mean, it was like, do you, I mean, that was crazy, right? I mean, we were looking around going, it, it if we calculated his, how his, much money as his directions there is. He yeah, said, his directions were great. He said, there's a water tower in the distance. <laughs> it's like, there's a water tower in the distance for the whole track. <laughs> for everyone on the track. We, yes, we could not find literally. it, but we found new areas that we had never seen before, I think. And that was just on the, uh, I guess, off to the right-hand side of the track or off the right lane. The, you know, the whole other campground that's over to the left side before you make the turn to run behind the track, that was packed out. We it's, never even made it over there to that section, but I did see amazing. I did see a double O shit show big video. Motor homes and stuff that there is. I mean, like, yeah. you're just like, holy cow, the money that's in those you know just that stuff is just unreal there was a good video jt you, you missed this one um i don't know how these guys pulled this off without you but it was like 10 guys on a golf cart and they had built a ramp and and ramped the thing off of it and then you know threw everybody off when it landed so uh -huh. they were that was maybe a little bit of leftover excitement from brainerd <laughs> made its way to uh it to indy i saw some guys west. i think you're right yeah like driving around we stopped at several different places and you know uh it's just fun to talking to everybody out there as well you know i think that i guess that's probably what kind of what the zoo is you know basically is so i, I get it man i hell i could spend all day out there 
it, I think I was having a ball, like going and like we spent an hour talking to Troy from Eminem uh, Transmission, and it's just like going yeah. and being. You think about. I remember having a conversation way, way, way long back uh, with Brett Kepner, and we were talking about what the NHRA had done so masterfully, and it was they have created this social happening in the sport of drag racing that takes place 20, 22 times a year that is essentially like the can't miss party of in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? And the neighborhood being drag racing and Indy is that like times 10,000 to just the people. There are people at the NHRA U.S. Nationals that you won't see at a drag race the rest of the year. I mean, especially if you start talking about like movers and shakers in our sport. I think any young aspiring drag racer, anybody that's looking to do business in the sport of drag racing, anybody who's trying to make some connections, you basically have to go to Indy because anybody that you want to talk to, I mean, legends and icons and like real high level executives from all these different brands that operate in our space uh, in the drag racing space. They're there as well as a whole world of people that support those entities or support those people. It's the, one of the ultimate, I think, C and B scene events that happen on the schedule. And there were so many things that happened. Let's get right into it. Let's, let's dive into kind of the hot topics of the week. Don't want to just talk about the NHRA U.S. Nationals. As always, there's a ton of stuff going on in the sport of drag racing. We just run out of time to talk about all of it. But, I mean, I think, guys, let's just kind of go through some of our personal you know, thoughts. And, I mean, I, I think it goes without saying, perhaps the highlight of the entire weekend for fans, racers, everybody that has a a real connection to the sport of drag racing, Ron Cap's tribute to Don the Snake Prodome, bringing back the old Hot, we- Hot Wheels livery, just masterfully done. Mike, you're a designer. You know the intricacies of nailing the wrap, nailing the fire suit, nailing the crew jerseys, nailing the hero. They just did an incredible job. And I, yeah. I think it, the best tribute car of all time my that's that's my take possibly i mean i think a lot of that also is just how universally respected and beloved snake is and he was riding around it's so funny i I think i saw snake more than any other person at the track he was just (laughs) making laps like he was in a parade kind of driving his golf cart with his buddy on it and just waving like he was just chill and and just having a good time and then to end up in the winner's circle with that thing had had to really awesome. cap off an awesome weekend for him. Cap off. I like it. Oh, well oh, done. Yeah. Well, right there. Yeah. That was well not even played. intentional. Yeah. And it's I'm a claim it though. To me, <laughs> to see the the reaction from fans, I, I'm just trying to think of like the last time there was an unveiling, the last time there was anything related to to a car's paint job that had that kind of fanfare and buzz surrounding it like well, we, we I, talked to the designer what was that what was his name it escapes me right now you and uh, and brett talked to him and he was sketching uh pictures uh for he, he did one for uh tom from dhr he had it in his motorhome when we went over there doing quick sketches of the car and he was giving us some of the details about the process of it and how he uh, work the Napa logo into that uh, row of stars that runs across the hood and the roof and the deck lid, just little touches like that, that let you know, it's, it's still a sponsored car, a modern car, but you know, retain the, uh, the original design as much as possible. I think that though there's like a lesson or a takeaway from the whole deal. Ron caps, like in his winter circle interview throughout the course of the weekend, every time I talked to him, he was so quick to identify how much he appreciated Napa 
allowing this to happen. And you think that is something that just spoke to me because you talk about being like secure, being secure in your partnership, being secure in your relationship with your driver, with your athlete, which Ron caps and knowing that the affiliation between Napa auto parts and uh, Ron caps kind of rises above whatever paint schemes on the car they've done such a good job of pairing those two up right it is a well-known thing that ron caps drives the napa car right i mean he is the definition of a sponsored driver a brand ambassador for napa and to see them say hey everybody knows ron caps drives for us like even if our logo is a little smaller or a little less prominent it's not going to have a negative impact matter of fact this this tribute opportunity is only going to bring more eyeballs right. and more attention and buzz to what we're doing and i hope that it kind of demonstrated to everybody else in the pits that probably is a little weary of making that decision or pushing towards something like that because they're afraid of upsetting the apple cart with their sponsor or not having the logo big enough, Mike and I they always joke about like uh, everybody wants to make my logo bigger cream, right? No matter what the relationship is, it's like, hey, can we make my logo just a little bit bigger, like by 400 well, percent? It, it, it takes a while to build that brand equity. And Ron, if you, I just kind of thought about this. Most of these cars, even the force cars, even a, a lot of these heavily sponsored cars rotate paint schemes. We see it all in we see it in NASCAR. Ron Cap's car is is almost always the Napa car or it's some Napa sub brand. It's the yep. Napa Auto Care Center car. It's whatever. Um, so you have to earn that to be able to kind of pull that off. If this is just a, a four race deal and you're like, oh, but one of your races, we're going to take all your logos off and put on this uh, this throwback scheme. You can't you can't do that. So it's like the payoff for being so loyal to Ron and his program and, and vice versa, Ron to Napa as well. So it's, it kind of reminds me like, you know, running one ad in drag illustrated one small ad. And then, right. you know, you can't do that. You've got to run it for since day one, like Mark Mickey or Eminem transmission, then he can pull off all kinds of different stuff in his ads every month where, you know, he highlights other racers and everything instead of making it uh, an Eminem focused ad with products and stuff. So it's like, you have to build up to that. It's a good point, man, because that is something that takes time. I, I talk anytime I'm having like a marketing or a sales marketing conversation, I'm quick to remind folks that like we all know that McDonald's sells French fries. But by God, they sure remind us. Right. I mean, right. billboards, radio ads, television. I mean, it take you it's it's consistency, but it's staying top of mind. Yeah. And this in this day and age, man, you fade out real fast. And if you're not staying in front of people, you will not remain top of mind. So I just think the whole situation this past weekend with I, I think that was the story of the weekend. Honestly, I mean, there was obviously a lot of storylines, got points, implications. But the way that whole weekend went for Ron and just the way they did it. Uh, the fire suit was dead on the crew shirts. People were I was actually over in the DSR hospitality at one point and people were like trying to find those crew shirts. Like, how do I get one of those? What do I got to do? And I mean, God only knows how many of them they could have sold. If they, I guarantee you they end up doing an additional run of them because they're, that's like an item now. And maybe there's a play to just not letting their exclusive. They're gone. But 
boy, oh boy, I think they could make some money of those. They could make some coin on the back of that deal. But just masterfully executed. And then to see Ron like go on and win the thing. I mean, I wanted to touch on that. Uh, winners from the weekend. Top Fuel, Antron Brown, of course, as we mentioned, Ron Caps taking the win in Funny Car. Matt Hartford scoring the win in Pro Stock, and we got to talk about that. Uh, as well as Matt Smith taking the win in Pro Stock Motorcycle. And Chris Thorne winning in NHRA Pro Mod. Really an incredible weekend as a whole for the sport of drag racing, like I said. But I was watching the racing on Monday. And if I was just trying to wrap my head around the show that I was seeing to start the day with top fuel, some killer drag racing, funny car, pro stock, pro stock, pro right? That was a badass show. Yeah, that's a unique challenge, too. Um, I, I heard more than one crew chief talk about that, that the weather... Um, instead of already being hot or at its peak, it's still coming up. You know, temperature's still coming up, weather's changing, humidity's burning off a little bit, and having to be ready for that first round. So it's to me the guys that were able to navigate all the different conditions because you know Thursday was fairly cool, then Friday uh, getting a little warmer, Saturday a little warmer, Sunday a little warmer, and then Monday was hot too. Um, and, so, and several guys like Matt Hartford to me comes to mind went wire to wire number one qualifier to the win, which in those changing conditions, uh, you know, says a lot about being able to adjust that car to get down, changing track conditions, changing weather. So yeah, some impressive performances in the pro categories. I was, I mean, and it was, it extended beyond that. As I was watching the race unfold, it's like, oh my God, comp eliminator was a barn mm-hmm. burner, top alcohol dragster, barn burner, top alcohol, funny car, barn burner. We got new, the facts, the factory X shootout, which I thought was badass. Uh, factory stock eliminator. Uh, I mean, the whole, the, the entire show on, on race day, that's, that's hard to top. I mean, when you talk about that many cars, and I do think there was all sorts of challenges they faced. You, you mentioned the weather, holy moly, like you said, cold to hot and everything in between. Then all these different cars on the racetrack that do different things to the racetrack. I just thought that the, we owe a, a big tip of the cap to the NHRA Safety Safari because I do think people sleep on the challenge that is making that racetrack raceable when there are 900 cars beating it to death, all these different configurations, different tires, different, you know, clutch cars, automatic cars, door cars, dragsters. It's literally insane that they are able to keep a workable racing surface out there for the in the entirety of that event. And they had some serious challenges on race day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just. It was one of the things I don't know if you guys remember when we were having our team meeting prior to the start of the World Series of Pro Mod back in March. But I was as part of like our event guide that I was trying to share with our team. You can't apologize for track conditions like they're they're They are they're part of the story. You know what I mean? And I felt like we really got to see that play out at the U.S. Nationals on race day. The track conditions were part of the story. You saw that left lane get tore up early on, some gear lube on the track. They, they spend for a bunch of time cleaning it up. We see a couple guys struggle, a couple guys make good runs. there, But it created this air of uncertainty, right, that I think added to the event. I mean, I was really enjoying seeing all the lane swaps, seeing these guys changing lanes and even changing lanes when good runs were being made. There was an instance there where Erica Enders and Dallas Glenn ran each other. And despite Matt Hartford going down the left lane and making a very competitive run or, or no, 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 excuse me. 
Dallas Glenn and Erica Enders faced off, I think, in the second round of eliminations. Mm-hmm. So much going through my head. But anyways, they, they face off in eliminations. Dallas Glenn makes a great run in the left-hand lane. Erica takes him out on a whole shot. Despite that, Dallas, or excuse me, uh, Matt Hartford swapped from the right lane to the left lane. And there was a lot of talk about, like, why would you make that decision, especially if you just saw somebody go fast right down that lane? Why would you why would you opt out of or opt into that lane? And I just thought being able to talk about these things and all these nuances with it just added a layer of complexity to the show that I thought was was interesting and absolutely contributed to it and probably wouldn't have had. I mean, I know nobody wants to get behind. Nobody wants to clean up oil downs. But I do think ultimately it kind of contributed to the story of the 2023 running of the NHRA U.S. Nationals. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, too. I know we all want per- perfectly even lanes and really anymore. They always, for the most part, they always are. We rarely see a quote unquote one lane racetrack. Um, but things have, we saw it in Brainerd a little bit with the uh, Blake Alexander deal. Uh, and then the subsequent um, issues that happened there with uh, not running that session. We saw it again to open pro stock. And then those guys, uh, I think Erica even mentioned it in her, one of her uh, top end interviews that lane choice is a factor and that they were going for that um, in eliminations. A lot of times it's just like, you know, doesn't matter. We'll take either lane. We've ran well in both, but in when it gets, when things like that start happening uh, and with the changing track conditions, it becomes a factor. And to me, that's something, again, we talk about things of sports loss, and I don't know if that's necessarily a positive that we've lost, but that is something that you used to contend with more than I think you do now. So kind of a, kind of an old school situation which which fits the u.s nationals i think so too because that's part of the beauty of racing in the dog yep. days of summer and i mean and now we're headed into the fall which is weird to say out loud but it's still this time of year in most parts of the country it's pretty 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 hot right pretty sultry and i think it's that's when the cream rises to the top that's when the men are separated from the boys if you will and i love to see these racers having to get into their bag of tricks, having to try some new things, having to step out of their comfort zone, because it does, it creates all these storylines. And we, who knows? I don't know that the situation plays out the way that it did if the track was, if it was overcast and mineshaft conditions. And I don't think we would have saw the incredible race that we got. Like my favorite happening of the whole weekend was that tire smoking pass that Ron Capps made in the second round of eliminations against Hagen. Man, that thing has got the tires on fire at the thousand foot mark, and he's just legging it down through there, firewalled. I'm going, okay, this is what drag racing's all about. We want to see record runs, no doubt about it. When they happen, it's great. But seeing a guy fight like that to get around win, those are the moments, man. We'll be talking about that. That's going to be a highlight. And I think we need to be more proud of those highlights because that's a that is a highlight worthy run, but it won't get that kind of attention because it didn't produce a, a 340 mile an hour trap speed. You know what I'm saying, Mike? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. What do you think about, we were talking about the uh, Dallas Glenn, Erica Enders race. What do you think about the in-car shots in pro stock and in sort of what that adds to the show, showing what's going on in that car? Um, besides that one too, I also, I mean, another example of that in-car shot was the final round. I don't know if you watched the final round with Matt Hartford yeah. and uh, Fernando Jr., but it's, uh, they they show the majority of that race from that in-car cam looking back at Matt, and you could see out the window uh, that yellow car fade back. It, it was going into tire shake or whatever happened, but when they left the line, it was it was neck and neck. And then you you know you're thinking, all right, this this might be a close race. Then you just see that car fade back through the driver's window, 
giving you that perspective of what that driver is seeing at that time. So I um, loved it, man. It looked to me like they had some helmet mounted cameras yeah, happening yeah. because in the run that I was thinking of between Dallas and Erica, you actually got to see Dallas look over and it was like a noticeable look over and just, it puts you in the car. I got goosebumps talking about it. Like kudos to whoever was involved with cooking that shot up and making sure that happened because it, it really adds a lot to it. I don't think we do nearly enough as a sport in car. I get that the cars are pretty. They're moving fast. Sometimes they're shooting fire out of them or doing wheelies and that stuff's awesome. But getting a look at the driver, like seeing to your point, Mike, Matt Hartford kind of cock his head over, right? And try to get a good look at the tree. Those are that's important stuff. Watching them row through the gears, seeing that Bo Butner's always wearing those skeleton finger gloves. Like I just think there's some cool things that need to be highlighted and we do it not also, it also shows, in-car it stuff also shows that it's it's harder than what it looks like you know i think the, the in-car stuff you know you realize oh they're they're doing they're doing quite a bit of stuff in, in there you know compared did to you see the video that alex laughlin posted on his instagram that was like yep. he he mounted a gopro on the roof the roof hatch so like it was kind of cool shot whenever he flapped the roof up uh, after the burnout and was backing up and then seeing it come back down, but it was looking directly over him in the cockpit and he saw in the wheel down through there. You get to see him turn on the second fuel pump. You get to see him grabbing a bunch of brake and stabbing the gas. I mean, I think sometimes people don't realize that those fuel cars have like so much static clutch pressure. When you roll in and light the bottom bulb, your, your foot's all the way off the clutch. Like you're holding it against idle and then you're mashing the gas and it's just to watch all that unfold. We need more, more, more of that. Those need to be the highlights that get used. The The other stuff is just hard to, it's hard to comprehend what's happening inside the car and pro stock. It just scores a hundred points in my opinion. Whenever you the put other, the camera in a pro stock car, hundred yeah. out of hundred. The other shot I like that I'm seeing more of is the aerial shot. Oh yeah. I just feel like that gives like the old school, like hot wheels, view i feel you know watching yeah. and you can see exactly what's happening where who left the line first who's jumped out in front is the other guy you know making a charge on top end what's happening i you, not always but i like there were several shots especially i think there was one with uh with caps there in the finals you, you could see like that stripe down the the middle that we were talking about on the car it just gives you a different angle and perspective of these cars and i always think, they I think look, those drone shots give scale yeah, to what we're doing yeah you know what i mean and, you, like and it's speed in to... a sense of speed so many of these camera angles <laughs> just like neuter the sense of speed <laughs> and that's what we got to do the in-car camera is great the aerial camera is great um i've seen some i've even seen some uh at brainerd they had a camera mounted way down on, on top end, like where the turnoff was. And you saw the cars kind of coming down through there with the shoots out, making that turn, things like that, that again, the, the standard three quarters angle or whatever just doesn't give you. Did you see, uh, I was, I really liked the new on air graphics. Yeah, I saw them first. I knew that that was coming and it was great to see them on NHRA.tv to start off, you know, to see the more information and, and getting to Photo see all of the, the driver. Photo That's a big driver. thing on NHRA TV is seeing that photo of the driver at the end. I think that that adds a lot. A tremendous amount. And then great job with it on television as well. Like there was a moment in the final where they went to a, a split screen deal and the primary shot was Ron Caps's car. But the small window matter of fact, similar to the shot that we have going on here was Don uh, Prudhomme's face. And I'm like, we need more of that. That was a just you get to see him 
focused on the car, got the glasses on, uh, circling back around. Alan Reinhardt said something on the PA that I just I th- or on the uh, uh, well, it was I guess it was on the PA. He was there's not a cooler guy. Never have I met anywhere anyone cooler than the snake. And I couldn't agree more. That guy has there is an aura around him that you you just know you're around someone special, like being within 10 foot of the guy. There's something there when you're with it, you're in his orbit and to see the way people just ooh and awe over him, the 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 reverence that guys like Ron Caps have for him. It, it just uh, it, it does remind I get frustrated sometimes when I think about how laser focused I feel our sport is on time on yesteryear. You know, I, you guys have heard me complain about that before. Like we're always looking back. We're always looking back. We'd spend too much time talking about what happened and not about what we need to do or what we can do better or what's going to happen in the future. But it's stuff like that. It's being around guys like that and seeing just how truly special and unique they were that kind of makes you understand how, why we spend so much time focused on these dudes. Cause there's some real special once in a lifetime guys that have guys and gals for that matter that have been a part of the drag racing tradition for a long, long time. So yep. I, I just, that whole situation was awesome. Let's uh, let's pay some bills real quick and then yeah, uh, wrap up our NHRA stuff and talk about some of the other racing we had going on this week. Hey gang, I want to remind you that each and every episode of the West Buck show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com today and be sure to tell them we sent you. Guys, what uh, I guess uh, the next topic of conversation you want to dive into a little bit of yellow bullet chat i think we're gonna have to man it was uh i I got a special moment that i'll share with you that i think people need to know about i actually sent it to jim halsey i was in the pro mod pits a couple things that i'd like to make mention of first and foremost the fuel tech nhra pro mod drag racing series presented by type a motors has in my opinion, in a lot of ways, kind of turned the corner. There was a lot of concern over the course of the last few years, kind of on the heels of the real ProMod Association turning over the ProMod series to the NHRA for them to administer. And then COVID happens and the world is burning. And it, it, it definitely took some of the momentum that that particular series of drag racing had been enjoying up until that point. I felt like I saw the NHRA 22, 23 cars, I believe. Is that right, Mike? Uh, entered into the NHRA U.S. Nationals and Pro Mod this weekend. 23? I think so. I it mean, may have been down to the 21. I think a couple fell off. All incredible cars. Incredible turnout of racers. There wasn't a single slouch on the property. It was a really impressive thing to see. And while there's always room for improvement, and I'm sure they're exploring new ways, it, it felt like they've got they've established some community there, and it was shown to me or demonstrated to me on Saturday night when our Saturday evening when final qualifying's over, right? And you've got a couple, you know, obviously there's 16 qualifying spots and 21 cars. So there's five guys on the outside looking in, and I go over, I get a text message from Debbie O'Rourke at uh, ProLine and also uh, kind of the head honcho there at uh, Finish Line Consultants, which bridge the gap between the NHRA and this ProMod teams. Anyways, I go over there. She's got two tents set up. Scott Tidwell has his coach over there, a big semi-trailer. They got barbecue grills everywhere. They're cooking food. And the whole situation was heartwarming just to see all these guys that had spent the last two or three days competing fiercely against one another 
breaking bread together. And even cooler was the guys that were on the outside looking in. They hadn't loaded their crap up and gone home or went and, and put their heads down and cried in their beer in their pit area. No, they were over there, part of the community as well, eating. And, and obviously, they're probably not as happy as some of the guys that made the show. No doubt about it. The stuff burns every time. It never gets easier. But nonetheless, just to see that level of buy-in, I think was really I think it's I think it's significant. And it the coolest part uh, that I was going to mention is we're all sitting there. Right. What's on the TV? They were. I mean, this is a true story. And this I'm not trying to this uh, I net, upon further evaluation. This could be misinterpreted. But Top Fuel is running. Right. Top Fuel and Funny Car are in the lanes. They're running. All these pro mod guys are in the pits, breaking bread, eating dinner. And they had the NHRA.TV broadcast on a, a big screen inside the hospitality tent. And the next thing you know, they go up there and they flip it over to the Yellow Bullet Nationals. And I just thought that was a cool moment to see all these pro mod guys that are here at the freaking U.S. Nationals, right? Many of them wait their whole life to go to this race. Everybody who's anybody is there. But they're all watching the Yellow Bullet Nationals. And I actually took they a were picture locked of in everybody. Too. Locked in, like, dude. like, yeah, they were like a formed a row, like just standing there watching <laughs> it, you know, all this food, you know, is being served. And yeah, I, I just think the moral there is that uh, door car guys are going to door car no matter what, because they <laughs> they didn't care what was going on on track. They were there to watch the Yellow Bullet Nationals. And, I, and you also had uh, Tidwell's other car um, running there in 275. So you had a lot of guys uh, that had multiple interests in checking out what was going on there. I thought it was just a cool moment. I actually took a picture or a video and sent it to Jim Halsey, who was racing his, his race up in Maryland. But I just wanted him to know that that's, this is a group of guys, to your point, that just really, by and large, support one another in a lot of different ways. And I, I, it felt like a cool moment that, that was worth mentioning. Moving to the actual Yellow Bullet Nationals, Holy moly, uh, a lot of stories that we will kind of dive into a little further. Uh, it was cool to see Keith Haney make the trip across the country to be a part of that deal. The the quarterfinal, excuse me, the semifinal round matchup, I'm trying to think of everybody. The Decker cars, Andy Jensen. What was the other one? What am I drawing blank on, Michael? I'm drawing blank uh, on one guy. Was it Kurt? I had this written down. Sorry. I'm trying to think. Who was it? Somebody look it up. Who was in the, it's in, it's in our Slack channel. I'm trying to think of who exactly <laughs> JT, it was. JT, look it up. Come back to us. That'd be fantastic. Um, but anyways, Yellow Bullet Nationals, over 400 cars on the property, just a monumentally successful event. Uh, I tip my cap to everybody involved. Huge turnout in Ultra Street, uh, solid performances across the board. A lot of drama around this. We kind of saw some things popping off on social, everybody having their opinion about track prep. I love these conversations when I see them uh, pop off. But my takeaway from it, to be honest, is no matter what you feel about the prep or how these races are run, as far as a show of strength for the sport of drag racing, I, don't, I mean, those are just two events how, out of God knows how many other races are taking place at drag strips across the country on Labor Day weekend. This is a high tide moment for our sport. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody's concerns are. They certainly exist. But if you just look at the sport through the lens of those two events, the U.S. Nationals and the YellowBullet.com Nationals, same weekend, serving a handful of the same categories, at least pro-modified, I guess, and, and Yellow Bullet badass. kind of started as an anti-U.S. Nationals. I, rem I remember the initial branding uh, of that on the Yellow Bullet forum with Monty Mika was, you know, 
It was we, the anti-NHRA. Yeah, yeah, we don't care about the U.S. Nationals. That's not for us. That's the, you know, what I don't know what do you want to say. Um, it was like the outlaw. It yeah. was. It felt like a protest. They don't, they don't acknowledge some... our type of racing, all that kind of stuff. And, and I and, think but part now, of that has gone away. Yeah, I do too. And now they like kind of coexist. I mean, there's no like cross promotion or anything going on. But you see guys, uh, like we said, talked about Tidwell, that have cars in both series. Um, there is more crossover there now. And, and less of a, I guess, like, I mean, to me, when it first, when they first uh, started that race, it was like, are you crazy? Why would you do a race to try to compete with the U.S. Nationals? But I, I, I think bad. it's worked. I think it's worked. I think it's worked because, because of how different it is. And they've latched onto that. And now it's, it's pretty much known. Those are pretty much the two big races happening on Labor Day, um, just by standing the test of time, obviously with the U.S. Nationals, but now with the YellowBullet.com Nationals as well. I thought when it first happened, it, it felt like this protest. It felt like this uh, fight the man, this rev mm -hmm. revolt or whatever. And I was a little bit concerned about it because I thought, man, here I am, you know, always preaching unity and trying to work together, get all the fish swimming in the same direction. And then this happens. And I'm like, I think it could be a touch counterproductive. This isn't what we want to do. And it has really turned out. I mean, even the first, I mean, the first one was a success. They've all been successful. Um, and to see it, what it is now, like you said, it's a completely standalone thing and it's very complimentary. Uh, it's caters to a totally different audience of people, a totally different fan base, in my opinion, totally different racer base, it, not a ton of overlap, just a handful of pro mod guys that, that can go both ways there. But now a really, really strong weekend for the sport of drag racing. As far as I'm concerned, I, I, I don't know that all the stories we kind of talk about winners, but a couple of things that will, I want to save a few for later in the show, Mike, but let's, let's rewind real quick. I, if we don't have an opportunity to talk about it later in the show, what was your uh, reaction to factory X at, in, at going back to the U S nationals? Because I was, I'm a happy camper. I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think it was uh, a long time coming. You know, I mean, they were th those cars that we saw the press release. It was, it was made a big splash. And it's taken a little while, I think, for guys to get a handle on that setup and that combination, get these cars built. Um, you know, cars are new cars are are you're, you're on a waiting list now at this point. But the, a lot of guys um, that build their own stuff or worked with different chassis builders came out with these deals. A lot of the, a lot of the same names that you see. Anytime a class like this comes along, Stanfield, Holbrook, uh, a lot of those names, these guys are willing to dive into these new door door slammer, I guess you call it, door car yeah. classes. And uh, we saw Stanfield get the win. So, again, a big debut, I think, for this class. It's got a ways to go before I believe we see an eight or 16 car field. Um, but I'm glad to see it finally make uh, an on track debut in competition. You and me both. I think I was a little bit, I thought we'd see the cars dip into the six second zone. I really did. Um, it was hot though. It is hot, right? And we saw some mid to low 70s, uh, 11 sevens, excuse me, 190 plus, 191, 192, I think I saw. But I, I hearing one of those cars, just the look of them, A, stock dimensions, steel roof and quarters, looks like a Camaro, looks like a Challenger, looks like a Mustang very cool 10 five w's on the back wheelie bars the cars look so good they've got a great stance i couldn't chris holbrook's car looks instant gratification know, right? on the quarter panel like holy moly We're not, i'm not a mustang so guy good. usually but it, it might be the best looking one 
Stanfield's car, the Rod Shop Chevy Camaro, I, I'm a big fan of. And I was glad that he not that I'm taking sides, but I do feel that like that with the with all the hubbub that's been around the class, it was kind of cool to see that car win it. Yeah. Um but it was hearing them do their burnouts and then roll in right and stage the cars like a pro stocker because people got to realize these things got liberty five speeds in them they're clutch the clutch cars this is really badass with 1500 horse late model fuel injected supercharged engines that are available from the factory this is i do think i've argued here on the show that i i wish this was something you know hindsight's 2020 uh, woulda coulda shoulda but it feels like you said long time in the making i would have loved to have seen this class many many moons ago uh but they've done a fantastic job with and i think it's got a lot a lot of promise personally i mean the buzz on the internet i saw a ton of comments about it on social media always a good indicator of of what people care about uh it was a great opportunity to kind of connect modern performance cars to to the fan base of an nhra race and even with yeah. only four of them it got a lot of buzz alan johnson jumping in and driving dh davies car that was a cool moment as well. It was great to see him back. Yeah, it was good to see I him haven't back. seen AJ. I haven't yeah. seen Alan Johnson. I honestly don't even remember the last time I've seen him. So him at the cool hotel. moment. Um, yeah. Well, let's, before we wrap up, we're kind of jumping around, but let's wrap up one last NHRA thing that was dropped on us this week, the 2024 schedule. What'd you oh, think yeah, about man. that in some <clears throat> of the uh, reading the tea leaves, read between the lines here on, on some things Two TBAs, on there um we heard a lot of different stuff the rumor mill was swirling but uh what's your what's your take on the 2024 schedule uh i maybe should pull it up and just blow through it here real quick for those that maybe don't know but i think my overall takeaway on it mike i'm actually not going to read them all but there are two tbds on there and looking at the dates and kind of hearing what we're hearing i think there's going to be some big surprise i think people are going to be shocked mainly because We've spent most of 2023 grieving, mourning the loss of these two facilities. And by all accounts, I think they're going to be back, dude. I mean, you can't overlook the fact that we, we all cried for weeks and weeks and months about the NHRA leaving Phoenix and not returning to Phoenix in 2024. But lo and behold, Phoenix uh, Wild Horse Motorsports Park uh, is right there on the schedule. So I think that that was well-received news. And it kind of just, to me, drives home the point that we have to be we get all up in arms as a community we get all up in arms as an industry that there's this huge problem and how many headlines and social posts did we talk about drag racing's down we're in trouble another track going away but when the schedule comes out here they are and to that point rumor has it we're going to see Topeka and Denver on the schedule again in 2024 anybody who knows how private equity or some of these real estate transactions happen there's oftentimes some some big overlaps there's some big time gaps right there's there's opportunity to maybe squeeze one more in maybe to have one more swing at the bat uh, who knows what happens in the future but by all accounts i think we're going to see those two uh those two venues back on the schedule in 2024 so i don't Get know it's kind of we'll crazy do it again the going out of business sale <laughs> that never stops but oh, man it's, it's all i mean hey we'll take it and and we're, we're glad to hear that if that does end up being true uh, i was glad to see chicago back on there again i know i don't know what kind of agreement that that was initially but i had heard that it was just like all right we're we're gonna go back there and just see what happens um in 2023 you know earlier this year and there was no given that that there was going to be any kind of long run at the track again so uh good to see it back on there because I, I feel like that event was successful this year 
I think that the NHRA learned they can do a very successful event without track partners like like in Chicago. It, it was no secret that that track, the Route 66 Raceway outside of Chicago in Joliet, Illinois, it's owned by NASCAR. Their primary interest is the circle track and that the deal is kind of operated with a skeleton crew. Last I knew, there was like a handful of people, maybe two full-timers at the drag strip there. NHRA had to bring in the entire team, the entire infrastructure that they normally are able to rely on a track partner for, like parking attendants, tower staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They had to do it all, and they did it. They, I mean, they passed that test with flying colors. I mean, we saw a huge turnout of, crowd, of fans, uh, a very successful drag race. I think that they learned that they can do that. I mean, I'm sure they already believed they could, but with the success of Chicago, not only are they not afraid to go back, they're not afraid to go to Phoenix and do the same thing because it's my belief the way that press release read following uh, the, the, the announcing that the driving school there in Phoenix had taken ownership of the track or however that whole situation worked out. I don't know all the details, obviously, but I can only imagine they're not going to have the same level of staff at that facility that they've maybe had in the past. But I don't think that scares an HRA. They're like, we can put on an event without a bunch of help from the, the track partner. So I think that uh, that's going to be one of the things that we see. But it is funny, right? We've spent all year up in arms. I mean, I can't count how many num how many conversations I've had about track closures, this, that, and the other. All these salacious that it's, headlines. It's because it all happened. It seemed to happen all at once. It did. It was like it every did. day or every week we were hearing about a, a track. This is the last last national event of this track or track closing or the deal like Atco just out of nowhere closing. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll take some of these victories in the other direction. Um, <laughs> speaking of, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see uh, that Z-Max Dragway shared photos that, that that place has been turned into like this massive motocross deal for the weekend or, or whenever that event's coming up? Like they literally poured dirt all over the return road behind the water box it. onto the track it. in the shutdown. And it's like, because I, I mean, we're going to be there in like two weeks. So I'm hoping... It is, it's like the red, it's like North Carolina red clay is what it looks like to me. And I'm like, you're going to need to it start washing that. It looks like a country that. music song. You're yeah. going to need to start washing that like now because it, that stuff does not come <laughs> off easily. It's going to be interesting to see um, how that, they, they should really do like some kind of documentary or time lapse or something of not only setting that up, but tearing it down before the race rolls in, NHRA rolls in in two weeks. I hope they do, man, because I is it two personally, weeks I just weeks? think it's a cool thing to see. Overall, I think it's actually three weeks. I think it's like the, tw well, like two it's Alicia's birthday weekend to 21st. So, and, but looking at the whole deal, I'm going, I think that that's the model. I, I know that there are people who are like, oh, I hate to see that done to a drag strip, but we've talked about this before. If you look around the tracks that are killing it, the tracks that are really having successful, they're finding creative uses for that. Property. I saw so they many people sharing that post, like, Oh, or oh, like, you know, what, yeah, you know, this is like terrible. What the heck is going on? But yeah, you're right. Hey, man, they've you got to get that. it however you can get it. I mean, and that I place think doesn't that if, get a lot of use. I think the pits at Z Max get more use than the track. Probably because I mean, so, they run man. like, they run like driving schools and police training, deal. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. So that's what it takes, man. I mean, from sea to shining sea, even around the world, the, the motorsports venues, the motorsport specific venues that have, considerable success and seem to be escape the rumors of closure and escape all the all that 
they seem to be true multi-purpose facilities. I mean, obviously drag racing is like at the forefront of their offering, but they're not afraid to have a tractor pull. They're not afraid to have a monster truck deal. They're not afraid to do something crazy like this uh, Supercross event that's, that uh, ZMAX is going to host. Matter of fact, think about the Nitro Olympics that we didn't get to talk very much about in Hockenheim, Germany last year or last weekend. That happens on like, I don't know what part of the track, but that happens at the ring. Right. I mean, at in Hockenheim, Germany, like that is an asphalt. That's like a straightaway on the road course that they use for a drag race. I mean, I was watching that with my mind blown, basically my jaw on the floor. But these are high level drag cars racing on an all asphalt drag strip. Like, I mean, you you watch that and you go, man, why don't the fuel cars run as good as they do over here? Because they're <laughs> racing on the road in front of your house, bro. Like, it's not, it's surely not Bradenton in February. And it's surely not, you know, the U.S. Nationals or uh, Lucas Oil Raceway on That's Labor Day That's where the weekend. rest of that uh, show comes in. All the lights and everything else. Uh, you know, not say, not diminishing the racing, but people are there to see a lot more than drag racing for that deal. Looked like a, a hell of a deal. Oh, it was uh, a hell of a deal. Let's uh, let's pay some bills real quick again, and then let's let's talk run of the week. Yeah, we got some new stuff for you guys. All right, guys, let me take a minute to remind you all that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. Had a whale of a weekend this past uh this past weekend at the NHRA U.S. Nationals, Steve Torrance, redline driver, scores number one qualifier in top fuel, kind of reminding everybody of his status that uh, keeps him at the top of top fuel competition, as well as Sean Bellamere taking home the top alcohol funny car win with redline on the quarter panel. Shout out to all those guys, and I'm sure I'm missing a host of them, but those were some that were on the top of mind. Mike, you're right. We've got a brand new segment for you guys here on the West Buck Show that we're pretty excited about. Um, we're just going to kind of this is a little bit of a slow roll, but it's something that's been weighing on our mind for a lot of for several weeks now that I think the way to explain this is what we feel is one of our primary roles here at Drag Illustrated is to celebrate the men and women that that make this sport what they what it is and celebrate specific excellent moments. Right. All these racers from all different walks of life have monumental weekends at the drag strip and you know as well as i do that oftentimes those things come and go or we the news cycle moves so fast in 2023 that i mean you may be a hero on friday night following the u.s nationals and completely forgotten the next week as the series rolls on or the the next event comes up because we're all so fixated on the latest and greatest happenings but one something that we are really take seriously here at di is making sure people know, providing some validation, right? You guys, there's a lot of huge moments that happen in the drag at the drag strip that aren't big wins, that don't happen maybe in the final round. So we've decided to cook up a couple of ideas, and one of them is uh, talking about all the baddest-ass runs of this past weekend. There's just single happenings on the track, not always records, not always booming trap speeds, but just individual efforts on the drag strip that are meaningful. And we want to make sure these guys and gals know that someone noticed specifically us here on the West Buck show. Uh, Mike, let's, let's dive into some of these first ones. We had uh, the coolest part about this in my particular opinion is talking, having the opportunity like with the 30 under 30, like with the women of power, like with the various things we do here at the magazine, being able to talk about racers, not just from a single pocket 
right? But paint a wide swath and make all these guys guilty by association. Like talk about uh, someone like Ron Caps in the same breath as Doug Reister. And I gave a couple of them away there, Mike. But let's let's dive in to uh, some of the biggest runs of this past weekend on the drag strip. Yeah. Do you want to just run through uh, a list here that we compiled and then uh, maybe pick our favorites? You you, you pick uh, yeah. you pick your standout. I'll pick mine, and we'll justify it. Yeah, sounds like a plan, man. I mean, here's okay. some of the highlights from the weekend as far as I'm concerned. Doug Reister, longtime door slammer legend. Perhaps one of the – I was trying to think about where he kind of ranks in the in the best outlaw door slammer, door slammer drivers of all time. He's got to be in the conversation. Built his own race Former car. Former cover been in the star. Of my house. He's been on the cover of the magazine two times. Uh, he's just an all-round fantastic guy. Doug Reister clicks off a three – 58 at Extreme Raceway Park in Ferris, Texas during their uh, monthly Outlaw Pro Mod shootout goes on to win the race. Three makes the quickest run in the history of Nitrous Pro Mod racing. Uh, there have been a couple passes quicker on radial tires, but no one's ever been close. And the, the, the interesting storyline to this, and I do think it's worth mentioning, is he goes 358. The car has got uh, it's not a car that has the latest, greatest engine combination. It's not a brand new chassis from a big name builder. It's Do we know what combination is in it? What I believe it's an 800 something cubic inch rear Morrison engine. I know it's a rear Morrison engine. Yeah, definitely. I know it's got carburetors on it. I know it's got bull. Actually, horns on actually it. I saw some discussion. It's, it's got, oh, has he switched to EFI now yeah, okay. recently, like a year ago. Okay. It's got EFI. So, uh, switch to EFI, but it still harkens back to like the glory days of ADRL Pro Nitrous when there were no rules essentially, and these guys were building these crazy lightweight cars. Oh, yeah. He he that, was he led the charge in that. I mean this this is like a kit car, right? For a kit from uh, it's a Tim, Tim McCamus chassis kit built car. it in yeah. his garage all those years ago. How many cars have come and gone since then that were built in that era? And he was he was he had that car built, I think you know, pre, I would say like the 2007, 2008, 2009, that was the heyday of everybody was getting a new lightweight car. I think that car was built prior to that, like Oh five, Oh six, maybe. So I would like say that. right around there. Yeah. Cause I mean, he was and, running that from the start of the ADRL. Seeing him stick with the combination. And I mean, now granted he's made some changes. I mean, when I think I first met that thing definitely had the Liberty three speed in it or four speed uh, way back when, but now it's got the latest uh, or it had a Lenko three or four yeah. speed in it. Nowadays, it's got a Liberty or something in it. I don't know. I heard that thing change gears like 15 times. It yeah, sounded like <laughs> on this run down through there, but it's, it was just a huge moment that I think got a lot of people's attention and considering what we've been talking about for the last hour, everything that's happening in Indy, everything that was happening at Cecil County. It, it's just cool to think that there was this collection of badass door slammers right here outside of Dallas, Texas setting world records, man. Let me, let me blow through this list. I got to move a little faster. I suppose uh, behind Doug Reister's 358 at XRP. I also thought it was fantastic. To see Doug Coletta click off that 336 mile per hour run. It was just, it, it felt like a long time coming. I do feel like that Coletta motorsports team is kind of getting over the hump, perhaps at exactly the right time. I know that the weekend didn't end for them the way they wanted to, but it seems like it had been a shame not to identify those numbers popping up on the scoreboard for doug coletta how about ricky smith going number one in a nitrous car at the u.s nationals goes 577 to take the number one qualifying at, at spot. 253 i believe i didn't get any confirmation or a text from brett kepner but was that not the fastest nitrous 
quarter mile run in history. Pull up the we top. We got to pull it up. JT, can you pull I, up the I top forgot to look in the last episode of or the last issue of the magazine? Because if it's not, it's it's very near the top. And it definitely, in my opinion, uh, like again, not a fact, but I'm almost certain that it's the fastest nitrous pass ever recorded in NHRA Pro Modified. Maybe yes. there have been so at some at an outlaw race. I, I don't know how fast Dean Marinas went when he ran 550, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but I wish I, I don't have it in front of my, on my notes, but yeah, it was, that to me, uh, was as impressive, obviously as the ET and really these, these two Doug Reister and Ricky, these are my picks. I'm just going ahead, going to go ahead. We can, you don't even have to talk about the rest <laughs> yeah. of them. Cause you're going full nitrous guy. My nitrous guys were showing out this weekend. Oh man. bro. Eighth uh, mile outlaw quarter mile in HRA. I, I think we're going to have Nit- to open up a discussion nitrous, here. Nitrous, nitrous is not dead. I'm telling you right now. Seeing what I saw in some of the cars that did not qualify at the NHRA U.S. Nationals, I'm ringing Ricky Smith's phone this week. I really am. I mean, it's it's well documented that he's looking to retire. That's clearly a hot rod car. He had the car to beat with obviously qualifies number one. And if he wouldn't have lost on a whole shot, he he. I mean, I think that we'd have seen that car in the final. Who knows? The competition's so good over there that it's it's kind of a pick 'em deal to be honest. But he definitely yeah. had a shot at it. And I can't imagine there aren't some people going, you know what? They changed the rules on this other stuff an awful lot. I wonder, and you have to wonder if somebody else comes in, are they going to kind of be, they tend to go after Ricky, they being the NHRA technical department. I'm Do you surprised think we haven't happen? heard about a rule yeah. change already. Um, who knows what will happen, but I, I've got a couple other runs okay. to mention. Jason Collins going 363 in Pro 275 competition at Cecil County behind the wheel of Scott Tidwell's 69 Camaro, Screw Charge 69 Camaro. To think about a car going bottom 360s on a 275 drag radial, no matter all that we've seen, all that we've seen, and it's no secret that I'm kind of a, a big floppy tire guy. I'm a big tire guy. It's no secret. But it's you cannot discount that performance, how impressive that run was and how effortless they look when those cars go fast. It, and we've talked about this a lot. It just looks almost lazy. Like it just zips down through there with no wiggle whatsoever. Really cool. And also super cool to see Jason Collins name uh, on a world record run like that. Just an all round great guy uh, down at Alabama international raceway, Ron caps. Here's one that I kind of prefaced in the intro not a monumental run, no sort of record number, no sort of incredible performance, but Ron Capp's driving job in the second round of eliminations at the U.S. Nationals. This thing gets less than 100 foot out, struggles, maybe a little bit further down than that. He's pedaling it and then ultimately just firewalls that son of a gun, legs it down through there. It's fighting in towards the center line. It literally was annihilating the tires going through the finish line, 300 mile an hour or whatever, and it's just – what a job what we've seen Ron caps show up as a driver so many times. I think he's got to be in the conversation as like one of the best there's ever been driving one of those cars. Remember just last year when he like risked the championship (laughs) legging that thing down through there in Pomona. I mean, we see this guy's got, I mean, I think he may have a wheelbarrow handy and you know what he carries (laughs) it. I mean, it's, it's impressive as far as I'm concerned. And I thought it was important that we mention a run that, wasn't going to be at the top of the top eight right not a record setter but still a hell not of a, a record run. setter hell of a run uh and lastly another one not necessarily a record setter i mean i think we would have to kind of dig into our we kind of have to dial dive in like the fast the quickest pass ever made by a 63 split window corvette in on nitro methane 
in text. I don't know what the stats are around Nitro Pro Mods, but Kevin Kinsley going bottom 360, 363, I think, or 361, maybe the best run of the weekend for that car. I don't know where this concept came from. I don't know if this is something. I'm sure it was inspired by Scott Palmer and Nitro yeah. and the, yeah. the Studebaker, but they they've got something figured out and i want you to know they've got my full attention like yeah that, we need to get more details on that combo and, and what's i texted him that. yesterday i'm gonna get on the phone with kevin this week because i i need to know more about what's going on there because they're they're making a pretty significant argument have you seen photos of that car oh, yeah. i mean i'll have blake throw some on the screen here it seeing a 63 split window corvette with an injector hat over the roof right and like eight or ten foot freaking header flames hanging out of it and making good runs like making competitive runs, that is badass, man. I don't nitro pro mod. Could this be a thing? We we wondered if it could be a thing from an exhibition kind of standpoint, and I think it could have been right. Clearly, J.R. Uh, Sandlin and Scott Palmer were making that case, but now we're seeing one competing in competition with considerable success. I think we need to get Kevin on the show next week to talk more about this. I was he's a great to, guy. I, I'm gonna great get guy, that piece interesting together. guy with the uh, the nitro boat stuff too so uh definitely and you know what's going on at xrp i mean you got doug reister running this his number yeah kevin kinsley they're kind of still in the show we were talking about the u.s nationals Bubba stanton goes down there yellow and bullet. drops the bomb on him i yeah. mean there's that track well a you, for one it's a classic case of a of a racer being at the helm somebody that's genuinely in love with this stuff Clyde Scott, God only knows how much he, money he spent on that. I don't know that I've ever seen that much concrete. I mean, the, everything <laughs> at everything in Ferris, Texas, at Extreme Raceway Parks made of concrete. It's for people that are like, pay close attention to that type of stuff. Everything's so nicely done. The place is spectacular. It, there have been a handful of eighth mile tracks in my life that kind of I felt were hidden gems or people maybe didn't realize how nice they are and how great they are to the racers. XRP is in that category, Extreme Raceway Park in Ferris, Texas. Uh, Galen Scott is the track manager there, a name synonymous with Outlaw Door Slammer Drag Racing, the Texas Grim Reaper team. He's been racing for as long as I've been alive and then some. And uh, like I said, the track's owned by Galen Scott, and it's just prepped to – it's on kill – all the time there's no in between you never want have to wonder how the track's going to be at xrp it's going to be on kill and when he gives them that kind of racing surface and there are virtual i don't think there are but, any with, with how i don't hot know it's been in texas though too like i, I didn't well, look I don't at the know weather. what time those runs took it yeah took I'm, I'm sure it, it was late two or four in the morning for but all doesn't it it's like 90 is the low in texas anymore so well, like 190 <laughs> is the low in texas right so now. i mean it's been the it, nicest i've seen it here lately okay well maybe they got a little break there and, and got these runs in but um to be doing that in uh, i guess it was august or september 1st ish uh in texas with the weather that's been going on down there says a lot about the facility it really does, man. And I just think that if you think about those runs, and I want to throw this out there to everybody uh, in the sport of drag race and everybody that joins us on this show each and every week, if you've got somebody that you think deserves to be in this conversation, hit us up, Wes at dragillustrator.com. Send us a DM, jump, uh, slide into those DMs, slide into our inbox because we want to know because it's important that these guys get to hear their name. Like for me, it's a personal passion that I have to create opportunities where I get to talk about Doug Reister. Kevin Kinsley, Jason Collins, 
uh, Doug Coletta and Ron Caps in the same breath. I think this is one of the only places that those conversations are had where everybody's lumped in together and treated as equals. And it's something very near and dear to my heart. And I want to provide that little bit of validation, that attaboy, that, that uh, pat on the back. And I, I can only imagine where this goes in the future. I'm kind of envisioning Mike, like, like, uh, prize packs and stuff. If you're selected for run of the week or you are the run of the week, man, that's going to be a big, you know how we do it around here. We're pretty, it, I want to blow it out. Razor's club shirt. Yeah, man. I'll give them whatever they want. I mean, these guys deserve to get I'm, recognized. I'm uh, locking us into things that we haven't even discussed. Yeah. We better print, send that up more the flagpole. We're going to get in trouble, but no. Uh, so you're, who's your vote? I mean, let's, let's, you got to pick, you got to pick vote. a winner. Okay. Doug Reister and Ricky Smith's your vote. Nitrous is my vote. Here, here's an interesting thing that I think is the only, like, only drawback. I do think we also, at some point in the future, are going to have to recognize how significant it is that Jim Halsey has been 359 with a like full weight promo. Because I wonder what the di- this week, Mike. We need everybody to find was out saying we want to see a Halsey versus Reister match race. But that's, I don't. That's but coming at it from is, two completely different angles. Two there, two completely different angles, which I think would be interesting as hell. I would. What love do you think Reeser's car weighs? Twenty two hundred pounds ish. I'd say it's around to, there. 20. It was always the benchmark. It I mean, was he had the some crazy stuff like drill batteries in it back in the day. Uh, oh yeah, I mean just the craziest stuff ever. And everybody, every time we would walk go up to the lanes, and we were all still running like our legal stuff at that time right he rolls up there with that thing, cars and we're like damn and then one by one <laughs> one by one everybody tried to kind of do that same thing um either getting a, a big name chassis builder to build a light car or going with a new chassis builder uh, I, mean, I don't know how many guys built their own like doug but he was still the still the benchmark for what to me that mid-2000s no rules outlaw pro mod stood for as it relates to nitrous, I think there were other ways guys were going with other combinations and are still out there like the Frankie Taylors and Bub Stanton's. Uh, but Doug's really the only one kind of still on that path. Like I would love, like maybe we need to make, I don't even want to go there, but make, make a, a rule carve out for Doug. I don't, it, it, it's, it's impressive, man. I, I'm genuinely impressed with what he's doing. Uh, let's, let's give I'm it up right side. here. Drag illustrated. You oh, it's already happened. That, that just ship edit, has sailed. Just edit that out. Like, seconds. Uh, that ship has sailed. We're in trouble. But the Drag Illustrated Run of the Week, Mike called it. Doug Reister's three fifty eight at Extreme Raceway Park. Congrats, uh, Doug. We're gonna come up. We need to come up with some prizes. Maybe a plaque or something. Let's get a plaque made. You can get plaque made. It's pretty reasonable, and you can make them badass. Uh, we'll come up with something. But anyways, guys, uh, let's uh, let's pay some bills, and we will move on down the road with our next new fun segment that we'd like to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of flowracing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Pro- Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, Streetcar Super Nationals, the World Series, the Pro Mod, the Skag Power Equipment, 
Pro Superstar Shootout, and much, much more. Personally, Flow Racing is a fixture in my life. I'm able to follow along with multiple racing events from the comfort of my own home or while I'm on the road. The platform provided by Flow Racing is absolutely changing the sport for the better, and there is no limit to the good they can do. So log on to flowracing.com today. Join the movement. They did just roll out some monthly subscription offers that uh, fans have been pandering uh, for for months, so take, make sure to check Turbsky. that out. Teg Turbski. 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 Did he ever acknowledge if that was a real last name in the comments? No, I, don't, I don't know, man. I Somebody hope it is it his real last name. Twin Turbski. All right, Mike, let's talk about this next new uh, segment. And it goes right back to recognition and exposure. I mean, the, the, the point of these segments is to give racers the recognition that they deserve, um, especially those who might not often get spotlighted, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of success, and it happens well away from the NHRA national event stage or some of these huge independent races and outlaw happenings. And we wanted to find a way to create something that was that spanned all walks of the drag racing life. Talked about that momentarily. Uh, but we also wanted to like contribute to this community, uh, this community togetherness. I know we sound like some fruit loops sometimes, but man, it is good for this sport to, to recognize that we're all drag racers, whether you're a big money bracket racer, whether you are a weekend warrior, uh, a grassroots guy, a nostalgia guy, maybe you're part of Quain Stott Southeast Gasters Association, maybe you run streetcar takeover and you've got a twin turbo Dodge Viper or an Audi R8. Whatever the case may be, you're my kind of people because you're a drag racer. Anybody who's rolled through the water box, pulled in, turned on those two, those two lights, you're my kind of guy. And we wanted to create a couple new segments here on the West Buck Show to make sure that we had the opportunity to celebrate more people. We've only got so many covers of the magazine, right, Mike? We've yeah. only got so many slots in the 30 under 30. We've only got so many pages in the magazine. But we wanted to find new exciting ways to just give back and make sure that these men and women that are spending their time and energy and money beating up the eighth miles and quarter miles and thousand feet uh, around the world know that somebody's watching yeah uh, and, uh, hit us up like on the run of the week same thing ratio of the week let us know um this week we've got a pretty top heavy list but a little bit uh, moving forward um this is going to be spread across all levels of drag racing like you just said so let, let's let's run through these some overlap with the run of the week but also some uh some ones that are not so defined by the performance and more by the race for themselves. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, when I look at this past weekend, the names that stuck out to me were like pretty obvious. I felt like uh, you, you look at the top of, of the NHRA leaderboard there, Ron Caps, Antron Brown, Matt Hartford. I think a, a, an argument can be, be made for each of them. I think an argument could be made for Matt Smith. To be honest, really, really incredible performance from that team this weekend. Uh, I think an argument obviously could be made for Doug Reisterer. I was also thinking Bo and Randy Lynn Butner winning in Super Gas and Superstock. The Decker family, father, son, final in Pro Mod at the Yellow Bullet Nationals. I just think that there's some, those things are really, really cool. We got to gotta think get, about. We got to get JT back in here. Uh oh. JT wants to come back and talk Racer of the Week. Let's do it. Well, JT said, hey, the, the cover rub. Oh, works yeah. again, man. Tell us about it. Does. It does. It, it just, it worked, man. You put somebody on the cover and they go out and do something great. You talk like about Bo and Randy Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opposite of the, the Madden curse. I told him, <laughs> that. I told Randy that. Yeah. I said, Oh, you guys are on the cover. And, you know, 
Good going to win gonna now. Yeah. Yeah, you, better, you better not to change your flights. You're going to be here until Monday yep. night at the earliest. Yep. Uh, now, and that's, again, another opportunity to talk about sportsman racers, class racers in the same breath as these big superstars. Uh, to be honest, man, I think I've got to just give it to Ron Caps. I Winning the race, going back to back. I mean, think about it. Antron Brown and Ron Caps have now won two races in a row. Uh, that At this point in time, that doesn't happen in nitro racing right now. Top fuel and funny car as, or as competitive as competitive as they've ever been by a considerable margin so to go back to back do it at the u.s nationals with the pressure because you got to think about all this pressure of the don Prudhomme tribute having yeah. snake there all weekend all the fanfare all the special happenings you got Prudhomme in your pit warming up your car you've got an increased fan presence because of this tribute car everybody's talking about it. People are emotional. You're in your feels. I mean, really one of uh, not his first big break, but you know, Ron Caps drove for the snake for a long time. So there's all these connections to the happening and to go out there, nail the tribute car, fight your way to the final round, come out on top. It's your second straight win in a row. Think about what happened last year. He, he went, I think he, I mean, think about it. Caps won the championship last year by three points. And it started in Indy, you know, and it's like that it, it's a special happening. And we would be it'd be a crime not to give r the Drag Illustrated Racer of the Week award to Ron Caps this week. I mean, I, I Andrew Brown qualifying 15th and winning the freaking race, fighting all sorts of gremlins. That's that's actually my pick. That's is, your pick. Tron. Yeah. Just seeing him again, because we were talking about is Antron even going to make the field gets in there and just shows what a badass he is in his his belief, his belief in his crew and his team. He said this in his top end interview, never, you know, never quit, never give up. Uh, you got to believe, you got to believe in yourself. And he definitely did that to take it all the way to the win. Him and uh, Ron sharing the winner's circle for the second We're year special. at Indy. And also you got to mention the Decker family, father and son, how much of drag racing is about father and son time, and, oh. and how many father-son combinations do we see out there? And to see those two go to the finals in uh, in Yellow Bullet uh, in Pro Mod is just a cool deal. And that's a that is like, are they like the Pro Mod family right now with the number of cars they've got in there? Ooh, good question. Are, are they, they the, the definitive Pro Mod family? They may well be I think, big dogs. So. Um, the Tutteros are definitely in that conversation. A huge shout out to Ty Tuttero. Yep. Um, we we started this after. Uh, t uh, after Ty secured the NHR or excuse me, the NMCA Extreme Pro Mod World Championship uh, a couple weeks ago in uh, Norwalk, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, yep. that I don't know, man. Are we got, we can't go co? We can't give a co award out on week one. No, you Let's get. Give, <laughs> we got to give it to Ron Cass. We're giving I it to Ron. Got, I'm yeah, just giving think, my I'm giving my mentions. I mean, I, I listen, I can make an argument for all of those. And Matt Hart, let's talk about Matt Hartford a little bit. Th they made a hell of a, a jaw dropper, right, on Friday night. There wasn't a person there that was – Matt's always right there. There's no doubt. And I do think he's a fantastic driver. But I don't know that anybody expected him to go out and lower the boom on the field the way he did Friday night. And everybody crept up on him. Mm -hmm. But the way to go wire to wire at the U.S. Nationals is a huge feat. I mean, through those do, conditions, that's what I was talking about. Varying conditions, um, all the nuances on race day, track conditions being completely different than you'd seen. One track, you know, the left lane becoming questionable early on. I mean, I think that was really great team effort. But here's the other thing. Were you watching the final, Mike? Did you watch yes. the final? Yes. Um, 
issues in the burnout box. Oh right? yeah, muff the burnout. That, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, and yeah, yeah anytime totally... that type of thing happens, I think a driver, a racer, really shows their merit by not just going to hell in a handbasket. I was I think thinking that a same whole thing too. A lot of other drivers in that moment don't get a burnout done or barely get a burnout done back up too fast, run over yep. a crew guy accidentally, you know, wheelie bars aren't set right. Uh, he goes in there, cuts a 488 light or whatever. Like that is a typically a moment where that's the thing that people fail to sometimes realize you don't really learn much about a driver when everything goes to plan. When the car goes right down Broadway, barely makes a move, nothing happens, no drama on the starting line. It, it those aren't the moments that a driver really demonstrates their worth and and everybody's, how good they everybody's are. in panic mode yeah I mean, it's like know, mike tyson everybody, always everybody, says everybody's got a plan it, some people can't tell you go into panic mode you're you're you know because it's not just you it's everybody you're you're cruising in panic mode too at that point it's, it's so and, true man and i watched real closely when that happened and uh, alan reinhardt was saying on the pa you know obviously this is not ideal but it's not a death right. sentence um, for this run and they, he backed up and he kind of sat there in the water and I'm thinking, Oh my God, he's going to start, Me too. he's just going to start the burnout right here. Like, you know, you get so screwed up, but he rolled forward up to his, uh, Eddie Gornaccia got where he needed to be. And Eddie was very cool. Also like, wasn't like hurry up, you know, flailing his arms or whatever. <laughs> he, he, he stopped him right there. And then they just did. I did routine. notice Jerry Haas right beside the car. Yeah. The chat, legendary chat, uh, chassis builder, Jerry. Jerry Haas. Jerry was standing right beside the car and I saw the old hand go up like stop because he did roll well up out of the water. I remember like if my dad had an issue getting the tires spinning the burnout, what he would do is he'd back up in the center of the water. Right, <laughs> rev that thing up, and boom, she'd go left, right. You know what I mean? And it, it was a total disaster. And it open, it typically worked out. But my point was, he rolled well up out of the water, and I was getting a little worried. I was kind of doing the same Jerry Haas thing, like, whoa, 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 stop, because um, you know the track's hot, water does, uh, is evaporating really quickly. I, I would want to make sure them things are going to spin when I rev this thing up. But it, it did a great burnout, backed up to your point, Eddie G. Right there, kind of keeping everything calm. Um, his wife right out the door, uh, which I'm sure helps to some extent, you know, to see a friendly face. Uh, but he rolled up there and did a fantastic job and went on to win the U.S. Nationals. And like I said, it's when we were discussing this yesterday amongst the team, I'm going, it's a crime not to mention Matt, like because that is a career defining happening. Um, and to do it through the adversity that every racer faces at the U.S. Nationals. Brian Loans put that on uh, social media that this race is a unique deal it's a war of attrition in many ways it's an endurance battle it's like our baja 1000 i mean you've got to make it to the end you got to stay alive keep your stuff running till the bitter end and survive sure every night at the bar with jt it's been true alive. true it is a, yeah. it is a marathon it it's is. unbelievable to be honest but there you have it guys uh let, let's say it right here and now we're gonna drag illustrated racer of the week i think he did a, a speech as well to his crew about about everybody just believing with him, sticking with him, and, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, pretty cool. I thought it was cool yeah. that he said in the winter circle, he's like, well, I did find out that I can't do a burnout, but it was, it's those moments being able to come back from that and not let that. I remember telling you one of, one of the most telling things I ever saw happen with Lizzie Musi was that an ADRL, no, a PDRA race at Rockingham Dragway. She was running pro nitrous, and this is a little bit earlier on in the EFI life cycle, right? And 
the car, she started the car in the water box and it kind of died and she was struggling to get it to idle. Um, so here comes father Pat, you know, and he comes over there, swings the door open, uh, a situation that I've experienced personally was going, he's in there, fire this thing up and he's got his hand on the throttle. You know what I mean? Leaned in the car, wada, wada, you know, just, it was a whole thing. And I thought if she's able to do a burnout, stage this car and have anything positive happen she's a race car driver because most people you got your dad screaming at you all these people are standing around watching you're hot it's loud it's claustrophobic you're strapped in place and to be able to keep your composure in that moment holy moly man and yeah, yeah. anyways long way to say matt hartford also deserves a, a whole lot of uh, congrats on one hell of a weekend and there was a lot of great runs man i felt like we saw some Really strong performances from Aaron Stanfield. TJ Coughlin looked good. Uh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my. How we should probably throw Fernando Quadra Jr. into the conversation. Jumps behind the wheel of a brand new car or new to him car. Uh, makes the change from a Mustang to a Camaro. Cars put together inside of a week. Tested and two Indy where he ends up taking it to the finals. Qualifies well in the field. I think six or way up there. Uh, what a turnaround for that team and damn yep. near made history as the first Mexican native uh, to win in an NHRA national event. So yep. in pro stock, look so look good doing it, man. Car looked good. I just think that there's a, I mean, we could spend all day talking about people that had a hell of a weekend, but uh, let's, let's get that and give it up. Oh, <laughs> Kirksville, Missouri. <laughs> guy I know a guy I know, you know, uh, but uh, what a shout crazy. out Eddie. Yeah, shout out Eddie Buck, my dad saving the day, selling <laughs> a race car to Richard Freeman at the last minute. Um, but a really strong weekend. I mean, kind of closing remarks here, guys. Uh, well, let, let's let's uh, let's, let's uh, pay bills one more time, and then and oh, then roll into uh, oh, I got wrap up here. All right, you ready? Yep. Let's do this thing. Hey, folks, I want to give a quick shout out to my friends at Aeromotive Fuel Systems, the brand that's all about passion and performance, just like all of us here at Drag Illustrated. Three generations deep, they're not making fuel systems, they're making history at the drag strip. They redefine performance by blending speed, reliability, and durability, setting them miles ahead of the competition. Aeromotive asks the hard questions. Like, why can't a fuel pump be for both street smart and race ready applications? Their answer aerospace technology and decades of track experience to create fuel systems that do just that if you're looking for a fuel system that's as passionate about drag racing as you are check out aeromotive at aeromotive.com trust me they're the real deal guys uh yeah we got what do we what do we got coming up we got a week off uh for the nhra tour before the beginning of the nhra countdown to the championship at maple grove raceway the house of chaos as it were uh we've got the the pdra bracing for their uh, return to darlington dragway that's always yep. a hot one out there not only uh, temperature wise but a great drag race Hopefully great to see pro mods at darlington right but yep. uh what's uh what, what else we got going on i do want to say congrats to to tyler to ty tutero huge weekend congrats to, i got to see him a little bit uh, was fantastic. What a great young man. You know, it's it, whenever it happens like that, Todd, Ty, that whole family, that whole team, uh, near and dear, our hearts at Drag Illustrated. I'm happy for them. Looking yeah, forward to was, seeing them. That was awesome to see. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're hitting uh, record set season now. We got uh, St. Louis, we got Charlotte, uh, uh, Reading, Ennis, Vegas. We're we're heading down the stretch here. Um, as far as PDRA, we got like the. I call the North South Carolina stretch. We've got the uh, Darlington, we've got Galat, 
So a lot of good races happening. To, it is record setting big season, dog, man. Big dog tomorrow night, or Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah, big dog tomorrow night at uh, at Piedmont. Um, is it too hot for you to go? I don't know. I have to check the temperature to see if it's, uh, <laughs> if it's below like, seventy. Doesn't matter who's coming or anything. It's like, uh, what's the temperature like? <laughs> if it's below Dude. seventy-eight, I'll consider it. We gotta get you one of those fans that go around your neck. I have some. I have some of those. My kids. Alicia bought me one too. Alicia bought me one, and I said, "Okay, just real quick. I'm supposed to wear that? Like you think I'm gonna wear?" They that. actually, they actually make some that that almost look like one of those dorky Bluetooth things. You know, they're not as bad as the, the oh, big uh, thing. Yeah, I'm just out on that, and nobody's hotter than I am at any given moment. No one's hotter or more likely sweating than me, but I'm still not wearing a fan around my neck. I just can't. Maybe I'm, like in the I'm comfort of my own home. Or I've something. got I've got like an ugly one that has big fans. You don't need a fan in the comfort of your own home, Wes. Your ceiling fan's about to take off into orbit. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to this truly happens every time Mike stays at my house. Every room he goes in, he turns the fans down. It's like I'm literally not even in the room, and I hear click, click. I'm like, son of a bitch! He's in there turning the fans uh, down. He's, looking out not, for, he's like, I'm going to save him some electricity. He's yeah, like, trying to. Oh, oh, lady. I think he, you were the one who told Alicia that we had him spinning the wrong way, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't. Know. I think no. you're like, hey man, wrong season. You need to get those push in the air down, not up. You're like, well, we just yeah. leave it on turbo just, all, all year. Leave I leave it on. Uh, it yeah, it's got three speeds and it's on six all the time. <laughs> As I mean, there, the one in my daughter's room, there are times that it does look like it's going to take flight. Like, I'm like looking at it. It's yeah, they get a, whoop, whoop, they get a little whoop. unbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, sketchy. I turn it off at night because I'm afraid it's going to like fall down on her or something. It's like, okay, I don't I want to start smoking the other night. Oh, really? Geez. Yeah. You better call the people who wired your house. Like, what no, it was the actual fan itself. itself. So, so yeah, here's on turbo. Uh, yeah, in the bedroom. I got to, I got to. I gotta put you have to in the bedroom, right? I, Things I get pretty hot in there. Yeah, you I gotta have the fan. a ceiling on. fan put together. Like it, putting a ceiling <laughs> fan up isn't hard, but putting putting it together sucks. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I like the all the different. Like you had changing the lights; they're all so different. Or changing the bulbs, you know, that's what a yep. pain in the butt. Where are we headed next, guys? I want to run through that. Like you said, big weekends coming up for the sport of drag racing. Uh, I think my next outing it sounds like Mike may go to Piedmont for Big Dog. Uh, we got Nate headed to Darlington for the PDRA race. Uh, I believe a bunch of the Drag Illustrated crew is going to be in Charlotte for the NHRA. I might uh, go to Darlington also. You should, man. That's a good yep. one. Uh, that's a good yeah, one. We'll, be in, we'll be in Charlotte, several of us. The, st um, the stampede of speed. It's almost that time. It's almost October. That's one of the most exciting points, uh, in my opinion, of the year when I get to spend about seven freaking days out at the Motorplex. But I'm genuinely I've excited. I've got to recover. I, I need, I mean, what is that, about a month away or more? Yeah. Roughly, I can't yeah, hang out with over. JT more than like. Well, I need get at least this. A month JT may not be able to come because I think oh, JT's making an appearance in Las Vegas with his wife. So oh. I think it may be. Uh, it may be skeleton crew down here at the Texas wow. Stampede of Speed, but yeah, they got like back to back and leave from there. And yeah, mm. yeah, we'll see. We got I, the Scott Palmer's Nitro sideshow. I, lo I love on the talking Friday shit night. about hanging out with JT, but then when we can't <laughs> hang out with him, it's kind of I know he's just, like mad at me. And then I was going to leave Saturday morning. He's like, man, <laughs> which made me feel kind of good, Mike. I was like, man, Mike, how do you feel when bad? It wasn't just me. I'm pretty sure everyone in Indy was like, where's JT? Not Mark Ingersoll. <laughs> Tell him what he, real happened real quick before we leave. He called me, called me, or Chase said, Hey, Mark, let's talk to you. 
we go in the trailer and he's like, hey, you've got to quit getting my guys so messed up. I'm like, they're adults. They're fine. You know, and I said, Chase told me I get to tune on something when I'm here. And then Chase goes, okay, what do you want to tune on, JT? Let's, let's figure something out here. And I'm like, I don't know. I've been tuning on your crew all week. And, <laughs> and then he started laughing, but no, oh, they're all good people. Oh, it's yeah, just funny. Man. That's And that's why it's so much fun at the races is, is everybody is so cool, you know? I, like, I think people think I'm crazy when I say, but this is a special group of people. I mean, it, it really, really is. is. This is an incredible community of people that I genuinely feel blessed to be around every time I get the chance to do it. So, hey, yeah. guys, look for uh, us, the Drag Illustrated crew, Piedmont Dragway, Darlington Dragway. Uh, I'm coming up. I guess my next NHRA race will be – when is my next NHRA race? I Vegas. think it's no, actually – no, in Ennis Vegas. in Vegas. Um, hoping to get out to the PDRA World Finals in October. What else do we got going on? Then I can't believe it, dude. Is it? Is it time to start talking about trade shows? Man, it's just it's absolutely crazy. terrifying. There's just like not right? an off season anymore. There's no. really not, man. I mean, and then there's there's some opportunity to go over some races overseas. That it just it's you an exciting time them. to be as part of the part of the drag. Thirty under thirty nomination. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's touch on that on briefly. the first uh, while we were in Entity. I believe we already have. A thousand? A thousand. I think we're at four digits already. Uh, according to Nate, we're at a record pace for nominations. So go to dragillustrated.com slash nominate and nominate your deserving uh, young person. Doesn't matter. Uh, announcer, media, uh, yeah, what else? What, crew, crew chief. However, whatever driver. you're doing. Yep. Doesn't have to be. You don't have to be They're racing the top of your car. And drag yeah. racing. Yeah. Yep. If you're involved in the sport of drag racing and you feel you're making a difference or you shop. feel they're making a difference, yeah. uh, we want to know about it. And we do try hard. This is a group of guys that live and eat, sleep, and breathe drag racing. We keep our ear to, ear to the ground. We feel like we know a lot of the people that are making a difference or a, a star in the waiting in the wings. But there's certainly some stories out there that we may not be aware of. So let us know. Like Mike said, log on to the website, nominate them, reach out to one of us. I've been getting all sorts of emails this week. I appreciate it. I read them all. We share them with the group. It's uh, it's a labor of love, this Drag Illustrated 30 Under 30. It's like really humbling and kind of surreal to see what it's turned into, that it's become a real honor in the sport of drag racing. But again, it goes back to rewarding, deserving people. Make and we sure will, we'll do the big uh, ceremony at yep. the PRI show. Um, could be even bigger and badder and better this year. We keep trying to make it better every year. Last year was a high water mark, and uh, we're going to try to top that again this year. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining in. Remember, click like, click share, click subscribe. We appreciate you helping us spread the gospel of drag racing, and we will see you next week right here on the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel and Facebook page. Talk to you soon, guys. See you at the drag strip. Appreciate you guys. Better, y'all. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm.